Welcome to Superintendent Radio Network. I'm Guy Soprano. This is episode number 62 of the Tartan Talk series, and our guest is Harrison Minchu. And Harrison is involved in the type of project not many golf course architects are involved with in 2021. Harrison is co-designing a new golf course with former PGA Tour player Fred Funk. That course is called Rain Dance National, and it's in a stunning part of Colorado. So that is going to be a huge focus of this podcast. And we're also going to chat with Harrison about his experiences working with one of the most recognizable names in golf. But before we get going with Harrison, we'd like to thank Better Billy Bunker for supporting this podcast. Better Billy Bunker is not only a giant supporter of the American Society of Golf Course Architects, Better Billy Bunker support a number of industry efforts, including the work of golf course superintendents. So we're glad that they're on board, and we're glad that Harrison was able to take some time to join us while working on site at Rain Dance National. Well, Harrison, thanks for joining the podcast, and we have you while you're on site at Rain Dance National, we're recording this in mid-August. And the first thing I want to ask you is, what's a day like on site when you're building a new golf course in 2021? Uh, it's kind of like controlled chaos. <laughs> There's so many moving parts. And, uh, and yeah, we, are, we started last maybe mid-September, really getting going. Uh, we were kind of getting mobilized in uh, first of September, and we started really pretty heavy construction by the end of September, first of October. And uh, we're going to finish the golf course. Um, we got about another three weeks to have all the turf areas seeded out, and which is a pretty good aggressive schedule. But we're doing. Uh, we got a lot of a lot of very very talented people out here eagle golf construction is the contractor and uh he's brought in a tremendously good team and um it's a blessing to have such a good team here and and the site is just extraordinary i've never had a site this nice it's it's the front range of the rocky mountains i'm it's in windsor colorado and it's uh just south of fort collins and about 45 minutes north of Denver. It's kind of, the arroyas are like little canyons, and it's a 300-acre golf course site. The first uh, one, two, and three, and part of four uh, will have some uh, high-end housing frontage that's basically paying for the golf course. And then once you get past number 14, you're out, you feel like you're out in the middle of nowhere. And you got tremendously long views, and the arroyas. I'll send, you know, I'll send you some images of it. And uh, I don't know. I just come out here sometimes, and I just say, "Wow!" I mean, am I really doing this? Um, and uh, the fact that the owner wanted me here 24/7, it's a, you know, a little stressful being away from Ponte Vedra Beach for this long, but. You only get one opportunity in life to do something this special, and this is it. And I'm, I'm working with Fred Funk, who is a wonderful guy, and he's very into it, and he's got some great ideas. And the owner, Martin Lynn, he's been in the, the quarry business for a long time, and now he's developed some of his quarries. He has a, uh, a existing... 27-hole course uh, just down the hill from us called Pelican Lakes, and this is going to be another 18. It's, it's a high-end uh, public. It's, 
It's open to the public. It's going to have a hotel. It's going to have cottages. It's going to have a clubhouse. It's really going to be an area attraction for people just to come and eat and enjoy. He's going to have a ski hill at the top near the clubhouse where he can make snow during the winter. And then it's like a biking hill. Well, it'll be an, also serve as an amphitheater for, you know, concerts. He's just got all the components, and he is very much into creating a fun atmosphere and fun things to do when they come to this, what I'm going to call a golf park. And because the main, the main attraction is, is really the golf course, I guess. But I don't know. The, the snow hill is going to be a heck of an attraction. Instead of taking your kids all the way up to, say, Steamboat Springs or something like that and spending a lot of money on hotels and, and lessons and all, they just come here 30 minutes away from 2 million people. And so anyway, so that, that's kind of what we're doing, and that's kind of rain dance in a nutshell. Well, as soon as we get off the air here, I'm going to go to my desk and book a plane ticket out to Colorado. You already got me sold for next year when the, the golf course opens. Wow, uh, a lot going on here. Had you ever worked in Colorado before? I worked at a course called Bear Creek. Not really. I just did the plans of Bear Creek, and it's, it's in Morrison. And, and then another one called Lone Tree in Littleton. You know, back in the 80s, I did plans, and I might have made a couple of site visits and that sort of thing. But I wasn't the architect of record. And, uh, but obviously at elevation here, we have to, um, you know, from the back tees. And, and, and Mart is, is going to get a uh, tour event here. It's probably going to start out as a senior tour event. But the, but the golf course is a venue that can host any kind of, any level of, of uh, play, okay, uh, from, uh, you know, from the Roy McElroy's of the world and, and the Dutch and Johnson's to, to the Fred Funks on the senior tour and, and those guys. And so we basically had to take into consideration that those guys, they hit it high enough, they could, on a warm day, they'll get 10 to 15% uh, benefit from the altitude because we're at like 5,000 feet here. And how does that factor into your design decisions? Well, uh, what I did was uh, I, laid the, I laid the golf course out, mainly the tee, and I tried to make it so that if somebody was playing the back tee and they, and they hit a, you know, a 330, 350-yard drive and then hit a wedge into the grain, I pretty much found out uh, and did research on how far like an 18 handicapper hits his wedge and his driver and that sort of thing. So let's just say the first hole was the driver and the wedge. I would back up from the green. Uh, you know, the average golfer might hit a wedge 110 yards at altitude. And he might hit his drive if he hit, hit the good, say, 230. And so I back up from the green 110 and then back up 230, and that's where his tee is. Years ago, we didn't do it that way. And when I got the, you know, Barney Adams, who created the Tight Lies Club, which were fairway medals. And and uh, he, uh, I'd say, I'm trying to think, probably in 2015 or 16, he addressed the ASGCA, and he said, guys, you made me rich. You've been putting the tees in the wrong places, so the average golfer's got to hit my fairway medals to the green versus the good players going to hit an eight iron 
or whatever. And and I took that to heart. And, and uh, you know, I was in the kind of the design phase of this. I mean, this, this project, Fred and I first got introduced to it in 211, and now we're building it. And Martin Lind always told us that uh, I'm going to do it. i got to wait for the right time. And he's got a, a associated or with the golf course is the rain dance development. It's got like 2,000 homes. The golf course is in the very northeast corner of the entire development. So, therefore, we only have homes on, you know, three and a half holes on one side. So, back to the, the key locations, that was probably the most unique thing I, I've done as far as taking into consideration, so if, you know, you're going to have a long golf course, and this golf course is going to be 84-75 from the very, very back. And that sounds kind of uh, way long, but if you take 10% off, it's going to be basically the same length as Kiowa played for the, on the PGA at sea level. They, I think the course was measured 7,800 or 7,700. So if you add 10%, you're, you're basically there. So we did that, and it turned out to be it's going to be the longest golf course in the U.S. That sounds gaudy, but it's really what needed to be done to allow this to be any type of venue, and that's, that's, what, that's what we wanted to do. When you started your involvement with this in 2011, did you ever think that it would become the longest golf course in the U.S.? Did you think it was going to morph into that? No, because the way we had it, we had it designed originally, it was probably seventy eight hundred or seventy nine hundred, and that's what we have. Uh, just uh, I just sent you the scorecard. That's what I have as the scratch tee, or the player that the scratch player or plus handicap would play from. And I think it. I just added it up this morning, somewhere around seventy eight fifty or seventy nine hundred. And if you take ten percent off of that. You know, it's a 7,300-yard golf course, and that's that's fine. We're not even going to publish the yardage for the for the back tee, and they're not even going to be used. In some places, there are parts of the aprons of greens, and and some of the holes are some of the long fours are placed significantly downhill, and so they're going to play. You know, we we have. I'm trying to think. Number five is like 580 par four. But the ball is going to land on a down slope, and they might hit driver eight iron to a 580-yard par four. Because, and it's not, you know, the slopes in the fairways are not crazy steep. It's just that we're going to have fescue on the fairways, and we'll be able to get it, you know, running out and uh, keep it dry, use less water, that sort of thing. And, you know, the typical grasses here in the fairways are bluegrass. And, you know, the ball, you got to keep it wetter. And the ball doesn't roll out. And we want this to play more like a Lynx or, you know, a running, you know, a little way the Lynx in, the, in, in Ireland and Scotland are where the ball runs out. And that'll make it challenging in itself if they have a tour event here. Because as Fred has mentioned several times, tour players know how far they're going to hit the ball in the air. But when it rolls out, it confuses them. And that's the beauty of, let's say, Augusta National, before they really had any rough. The ball really rolled out, and you got weird angles to the green. 
and that's the way it is at the old course. The ball rolls out, and it might, you know, you're you're going to have a more a skew angle or or a, you know a different approach, and that's the beauty of playing something that plays differently every day. And the wind does blow out here, and uh, so that can be taken into consideration. And I tell you what. I think a scratch player would enjoy playing the golf course at 6,500 yards or or shorter because it you know you get about a three club wind out here and this is really all you want, and especially if it's rolling out a, a bit. What went into the decision to go with fescue on the fairways? And have you has the growing started yet? Mm-hmm. Yes, we have fescue with uh, probably. We have a fescue bluegrass blend, so there. So we seventy five percent of the turf is fescue, and and twenty five percent is bluegrass. As we grow it in, and the fescue comes up quicker, and uh, a lot quicker, and then the bluegrass takes about three weeks to germinate, and uh, it it'll take traffic better and that sort of thing. But as we're going to get it grown in and get the fescue and the bent lush, and then we're going to turn the water back once we get it grown in. And and it'll become predominantly fescue. And we have a fescue intermediate rough, and then we have native. Then we have a native native areas to blend in with the existing native. And um, so uh, the decision was, this golf course lends itself to the ball rolling out. And and also the decision was let's use fescue and use less water and it'll play better. So that was it was a win win. And um, you know, obviously water is a is a you know, we need to conserve it. And and uh, that was that factored in. But we only have about 85 or 90 acres of maintained turf out here, which is, is quite small. And then, you know, of course, we're going to have native areas and that sort of thing. And we do have some irrigation in that, but once we get it grown in, we'll turn those heads off. Yeah, what's the water situation in that part of Colorado? The owner has all the water rights. He has a, about a 30-acre lake that it serves, it gives water to the golf course and to the uh, to the uh, lawns in common areas of development. So, and then he's got another 60-acre lake that he's going to have online for phase two of the development. And so, fortunately, he has all the water rights, and they date back to the 1920s, so he's in the priority list. Uh, there's some also some, uh, some uh, oil well facilities on the site. You know, it's a 325-acre golf course site, and there's probably about four out parcels totaling, I don't know, 25 acres, something like that. And they're scattered, and they're and they're they're going to be completely screened from the golf course. You won't even know they're there. So that's that's helping pay for the golf course, but also the development, the the uh, frontage home sites are paying for it. And the real estate market out here is just is just going gangbusters. I mean, they're 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 selling houses as fast as they can build them, and it's really amazing. There's a younger crowd out here. It's uh, more a lot of young families, 
I'll go over to Pelican Lakes and play, and there's kids and families and whatever, and, and eating in the restaurant at the club. I've never seen a golf course with as much activity as going on here, and I'm sure Rain Dance will be, uh, be the same. Bouncy, firm, fescue, bluegrass fairways. W- what type of greens are golfers going to be hitting into and putting on? Describe the, the green sites. Yeah, the green sites are, are pretty large. They, they definitely have some contours, but it's not, they're not bizarre contours because we couldn't do that, nor, nor did we really want to uh, because the wind blows. And so you got to be cautious. You know, we have a lot of 1% and 2% and, and that sort of thing. We have some steeper areas, and, and their pin placements are divided up. But to answer your question about the, uh, the bent grass, there's a new version of bent grass that a lot of places are looking at, and there's been a lot of testing on it. It's called 007XL. It sounds like, you know, like a cigarette agent grass or something. I have I don't know where they came up with the name, but 007's been out for a while. And this is the the XL version of 007 has only a few of the qualities of the original 007, but it has a lot of lot additional good qualities, and therefore that's why they developed the seed, the grass. And it's bent grass. It sounds like you have an awesome site for golf with a lot of inherent charm and beauty. What are you doing with the bunkering of the golf course, Harrison? Bunker sand and the green sand is the same. Is the same sand. The bunkering is very kind of a natural shape to blend in with the you know the native aspects of the site. And you know the fairway bunkers are not deep. The green side bunkers might be you know somewhat deep in some areas. But we wanted to make sure that people could recover out of the bunkers. And a tour player, you know, hey, they can they can play out of deep fairway bunkers it doesn't really matter there's no reason to have really deep fairway bunkers for the average guy because you know this is going to be plenty of golf course and it's it's very it's a massive scale golf course and um you know so that's what we're doing on the on the on the bunkers and then on the greens we uh we put 10 to 12 inches of straight sand. It's California-style greens. We don't have the gravel layer. And uh, we're tilling in profile in the um, in the top six inches. And then we're using a pro, one of the profile products, uh, field and fairway in the apron areas. We're tilling that into the native soil. And we're also doing that on the tees so we can get the aprons around the greens essentially, you know, very puttable and so you know let's say the green stamp at 10 or 11 uh, I, I would say the apron areas might stamp at eight you know something like that and that's the goal and uh, so anyway that's that's kind of you know the specs of what we're doing here as far as uh specking the bunkers and the greens and that sort of thing we're doing uh, hardly any concrete car paths we're doing a basically um, a sand and gravel mixture on the surface of a subgrade of uh, basically a DOT uh, gravel. And so the, the paths are very natural looking and, and kind of blend in. And, uh, yeah, we, 
you know, the owner was typically, you know, on his on his other golf course, he had his concrete car pads. And so we convinced him to go this route. He is so glad we did it because it not only makes the golf course look more natural, it's just got a, you know, a softer feel to it, especially when he's driving his truck around the place. He loves it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's always good when you can get a truck around a golf course, right? But uh, how does how's the final product going to compare to what you had on paper in 2011? We've changed the routing of holes is is sort of period of time as the other day. No, not really. We did change the par on number 16 the other day. We, we had a par 71, and we it was an extremely long par 4. So we changed, we changed it to a short par 5, a vertical par 5, which, you know, it really doesn't matter. It's, you know, it, it was going to be a 4 and four and a half par, a 4 and 3 quarter par um, before, and now it's going to be like a 4 point. Eight five par as par five, so it really doesn't make any difference. But on how it plays and it plays uphill a little bit, yeah, it needed to be a par five. And um, so how so we have changed the routing. We we changed um, three or four of the holes as late as January. We moved them, and and it was. Tremendously good changes. Fred moved the driving range. And it was up in the clubhouse area, and, and we had this open area out in the golf course. He said, let's put the driving range here. And I thought he was freaking nuts at first, and then I started thinking about it. And it's a great idea because there's a lot of places where the experience of the play in the course is getting to the driving range. Sandhills is a perfect example of that. You drive like a mile just to get to the driving range, and then you drive another half a mile to get to the golf course. And um, so, and it also made the clubhouse area, you know, there's more room for cottages, there's more room for, you know, for a ski hill. He's going to have an ice skating rink. He's going to, you know, there's just more room up there. It's going to be a big going to be a park in itself up there. You're also serving as the project manager for this golf course. Over the last year and a half, how much time, energy, and effort have you put into this one project? All of my energy, pretty much. This was obviously my main focus, and it's been my main focus for years. And when it finally came on board, uh, I was, I've, I've been living here basically since the end of last August. I mean, I've gone home for Thanksgiving and Christmas. I took a little, you know, Christmas break was probably three weeks, something like that. And I've been home, you know, for a week or so, several times since January. But I'm here 24-7. And uh, I'm on the site every day, a good eight to ten hours anyway. I'm doing something I've always wanted to do, be on site all the time. And the project managing of it is is somewhat easier than I thought it might be because the owner has a good good staff in place that's really keeping track of, of the money more so. And I can I can focus on the architecture of things. Like we're just I was just earlier this morning, we're doing the final flow to number seven green. And 
Uh, we got about five greens left to do, and we'll probably have all five of those greens done in about a week. I mean, they're already built and that sort of thing. We're just doing the final, the final grade of the greens, you know, to get the percentages right, to keep them playable. And, uh, you know, so that's just one of the steps that the golf architect goes through, you know, before they seat the greens. You mentioned Eagle Golf Construction. Who are some other uh, people you've spent a lot of time on the site with and have been key to the project? What type of team is in place? Well, I mean, Eagle Golf is really the team. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Fred's been here a, a lot. And he's going to be here all week. He was here last week. And um, so, uh, you know, there's um, actually uh, Arnold's grandson, Sam Saunders, lives 20 minutes from here. He's been out a couple of times to look at it. And uh, I've had Tad Layton from the Palmer Company. He's been out and looked at it. He actually did a little bit of bulldozer work on it, tried to hone his bulldozing skills. And Jim Urbane has been out twice. Uh, Rick Phelps has been out twice. You know, I've gotten input from them. I would be crazy not to ask their opinion and see what see what they think. Those guys are very, very talented in their own right. They had some, some good observations. I incorporated quite a bit of it, what they said. So I believe that this is Fred Funk's first design project. Is that right, Harrison? So you work sure. with one of the greatest tour players of all time in Arnold Palmer. What's the relationship like between a tour player and trained golf course architect, and what can you do as the trained architect to help a high-caliber player understand infrastructure and maintenance on a golf course? Fred grew up, he worked on the golf course before he was the golf coach at University of Maryland, and so he understands maintenance, and he's very concerned about that. He wants to make sure that the maintenance, is, you know, Jeff Orr, the, the head superintendent, can maintain the place, and and <laughs> I forgot to tell you this, there's a 60,000 square foot, basically putting course short game green. And it's part of number nine green, and it's enormous. So I don't know who gets the duty of mowing that thing every day. It's it's equivalent to about, well, I don't know. Uh, If you take number nine green away, it would be, let's just say, we'll give that green 10,000 square feet for numbers. So we still got 50,000 square feet of additional green which is about equivalent to eight grains at 6,000 square feet. So uh, that's going to be something but that's uh, to maintain, but it's going to be another golf venue for kids and for beginners and for guys that just want to go out and have some fun after they play the, the, the golf course. But anyway, to get back with you uh, about working with Arnold Palmer and, and then now Fred Funk, Arnold was the king of golf. He was he was involved in a whole lot of things. He loved golf architecture, and we did a lot of work for him. and And he was involved in a lot of golf courses. And his company is still going on. Fred is he's more totally into it. He's been wanting to design a golf course for years. And he got the opportunity, and for him to have the opportunity on this place is just absurdly lucky. And he's the one that brought the job to me, and uh, because I knew him in Ponte Vedra, 
because he lived there. He's not living there now, but he, he lived there until recently, lived in Ponte Vedra Beach. So we've been chomping at the bit to get going on this for years and years, and finally we did. And Fred has got some really, really good observations. And he lets me do the architecture. He might question a bunker. He might, he'll question some contours of green. And, uh, but generally he's letting me do the architecture and, and then I give him something to see. And if he wants to modify it, we modify it. And, uh, and then the owner's given us basically free range. He comes out and, and has input. He definitely has some input in the earth movie. He wanted to move a little more earth than I originally anticipated. So therefore the plans reflected a less earth moving originally because the site's so pristine but it it didn't appear to be as steep as it was so we had to move more earth to make it playable and then we had to move the earth to a point where we could naturalize it which we can and so therefore we might have impacted more area but we uh, made it we naturalized it when it was in the native area, and so it all looks like it was has been here. And so that that's been our goal too. Okay, how do you design a sixty thousand square foot green? Well, you know, Martin went up to uh, the Prairie Club in Nebraska, and they have what they call the horse course. And he said, uh, "I want something like that." And I said, "And I said, I I." played the Prairie Club, but the horse course wasn't there when I played it, and so I said, okay, I get it, it's going to be a big putting course, and we put bunkers in it, where you can hit shots to it from like the first fairway, the second, the back tees are number two, you, we can, you can have some parts, do a par three course around it, and have a 160-yard shot to it, you know, I wanted that to be the case. Because they call it the horse course at the Prairie Club. It's like a pickup game of basketball. And, you know, horse, you just go pick where you want to shoot from. And if the guy misses it, he's an H and, you know, whatever. And, you know, you know the game. And it's the same thing with the golf, with the golf, uh, with this place. And so we didn't want to call it the horse course. So we're going to call it the goat ranch. And, you know, because the whole, this whole area is, is, uh, is a lot of agricultural land. It's a lot, you know, it's uh, a farming community. And, uh, you know, historically, that's what the place is. Now, it's growing fast, and, of course, there are not a lot of farmers moving into the new subdivision, but there's still a lot of farms around here. You know, that's, I just kind of laid it out and put a lot and put some significant contours in it, and but not silly. I don't know. It's, I just was given a big area to do something, and... I guess we got creative and did it. And it's really, really unique, and it's going to be a a blast. Back to your upbringing in golf course architecture or some of the people you've worked with in the past, Harrison, what what did you learn about the business of golf from working with Arnold Palmer and Ed C.? I grew up in Augusta, so I kind of had golf in my DNA. I didn't really realize it because I didn't know any better growing up. Uh, You know, working for Ed was – Ed C. was – uh, he was definitely my mentor, not only in golf architecture, but but personally. And he was he was very 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 creative and talented. He kind of let us do 
at it somewhat. I kind of, I kind of wish I would have gotten a little bit more design input from him. But I guess I learned a lot by doing it on my own to a certain extent. Now he would, you know, if we were doing something stupid, he would, uh, he would let us know. Working with him was just wonderful. Working for Arnold, I mean, my goodness, he's the king of golf. I grew up in Augusta. Obviously, he was. That's where the Arnie's Army came from, and uh, because the uh, the Fort Gordon used to have soldiers out there on the scoreboards, and so uh, and they would all they put on their you know flash up on the scoreboard, go Arnie. So that's where they where Arnie's Army came from. And so anyway, to work with Arnold, he was just a wonderful man. He was very fair. He was uh, he was very supportive, and uh, we were his guys. And it was to be able to do that. I mean, come on, it was quite a blessing. I think about him a lot, and I think about Ed C a lot. Kind of neat to have Mason see his son involved in the project and document things. Have you thought about what Ed and Arnold would? think of what you and the team are doing at rain dance national and are any philosophies of theirs going to be out there on the golf course when people play it? Yes. I mean, their influence is all over this place. And, uh, we always did kind of traditional style of golf courses. Um, and we always, we always wanted the land to dictate what we did. And, uh, we routed the golf course. Ed taught us how to route a golf course as when you route it, you need to grade it in your mind. How, how are you going to grade the golf course to make it fit into the topography? And that's the way Donald Ross laid out golf courses. And that's where Ellis Maples taught Ed and Ellis learned from Donald Ross because his uncle Palmer Maples was Donald's, Donald Ross's main construction manager so i mean that's just that's just the way they did it and um and that's what ed and arnold stressed that we do don't try to recreate what's out there work with what's there and i think when you see this place it's going to look like it was always here it'll just be the fairways will just be greener than the kind of the brownish uh native areas then um so anyway, that's yeah, their influence is all over this place. We start at the Tartan Talks. And, and, my, and, mine, and mine, too, obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, Not to take uh, anything away and, from you. And, <laughs> yeah. and it's always, you know, any golf course is, is, a, is a team. It's not one person yep. that comes up with all this. I mean, I can't, you know, I come out here and I'll give some instructions, and sometimes it's, like, better than I ever thought it would could be. Because these guys are so talented. So anyway, did you? So we started the Tartan Talk series in 2016. Uh, we've had very few guests on who've had an opportunity to work on a on a new golf course in the last five years. What type of opportunity has this been? Especially when you think about how few of these are being done in the United States. Well, first of all, this site and this course is 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 the the best of, of my, in my career. Mm-hmm. And I'm probably, you know, realistically, I might not do another new golf course. I'd like to, but, you know, I'm 65 years old. I'm still 
very healthy. And, um, you know, I'm being realistic. I mean, I know the business. Come on. I was, I was semi not busy enough for a long time. And now I am, now I got this and I'm busier and busier than I could ever imagine being. But it's a fun busy. Have you thought about how you're going to feel when the first shot is struck on the golf course? Well, actually, I was with Fred last week. He was hitting some, some tee shots. Yeah, I should have rephrased the question, and, the first uh, uh, official shot. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be like, you know, I mean, it's like any golf architect that plays, that plays the golf course. I mean, you know, obviously they're, they're you know, excited. You know, you're, you're playing the first round of something that you've been putting your heart and soul in. And, uh, yeah, I mean, but I'm not. I'm going to be very, very excited, and they're going to open it next July, and I'm going to be very excited. And and uh, but I don't really know how it's going to play. It, it depends on how I hit the ball that day. I mean, that's the beauty of of golf, and that's the beauty of playing golf courses, because you don't ever know. You don't know how the wind's going to be. You don't know how you're going to hit it, and that sort of thing. But this is going to be a, a, a very fun test of golf that people are going to want to come back and play. And I think when you finish this course, you're going to say, boy, I want to do that again. And that's what we're trying to do. How cool is it that it's open to the public? I mean, anybody that listens to this podcast that works in the industry can come out and eventually play this at some point. How rewarding is it that you're doing this on the, the public sector right now? No, the last two projects were public. And uh, this one, and I redid a municipal course in uh, Jacksonville Beach, Florida. And it's really, really fun. I, th- I think, I mean, I grew up and played a, a course that was owned by the military. My dad happened to work for the, for the Army base, and we got to play the golf course. His dues were like $15 a month. So I was essentially a public golfer. I wasn't, I didn't, we weren't members of the Augusta Country Club. And uh, so, yeah, I think it's really cool. And I think it's, I think it's, it's very, very, very rewarding because there's so many people that will have total access as long as they can afford a, you know, it's going to be a higher than normal green fee, uh, where they can afford to come out here and play and, and anybody can show up and play. And I think that's neat. Last thing here, you, you grew up in the southeast. You, you live in the southeast. Does anything that you've seen over the last year in Colorado make you want to move to the Rockies? I don't necessarily want to live in the mountains because it's too remote. Uh, I would definitely live here. I mean, it, it's got a really nice vibe. It's beautiful. You can play golf pretty much year-round because there's times in the wintertime, you know, it might snow, but it'll melt in three or four days at the most. And then it'll turn warm again. And uh, so, um, yeah, I would – I definitely – or thinking about having a, a you know a second home here and uh and that sort of thing so I, I mean i love the place i mean i love ponte Vedra beach florida i mean that's a very nice place um but i would i wouldn't mind living here for sure well this was a lot of fun uh congrats on getting the the project to this point congrats on everything you've achieved in your career and Let's do this again next year and talk about the final product.
Oh yeah, thank you so much, guy, and thank you for the opportunity to you know to to get the news out about this place because it's a very very special place. I, I appreciate your time.